Hello, you have found Godfather. Cliff Notes for the Mind and Soul. I'm Greg Heineke, a middle school principal, lifelong learner, and a lover of psychology. And I'm Keith Long, a Lutheran pastor, author of Doubting Faithfully, and a book lover. Welcome to episode five. We are going to look at the power of story tonight. Excited. Very excited. Very, very exciting topic for both of us lifelong readers and uh, and, and lovers of literature as uh as books ha- have such power to help us grow and expand our thinking, uh, so it's it's time to to dive into the deep end. Let's do of it. Literature. So, all right, Greg, you're in the hot seat, my friend. All right, and I've got four questions in honor of season four. Here we go. All right. Question number one: Four of these five books are the highest selling of all time. Which four and in what order? Oh. Don Quixote, A Tale of Two Cities, Lord of the Rings, The Little Prince, Harry Potter, and the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh. So top four. Do you go four, yep. three, two, one. Um, whichever one, you, whichever way you want to do it. I, I'm going to go four, three, two, one. I'm going to say um, a tale of two cities is four. Um, oh, Lord of the Rings is three. Don Quixote two, and uh, the Little Prince is a number one. Did I get any you, of them right? You got all of them right. The wrong order. Oh, seriously? Yes. The opposite of that. Yeah, I uh, I read them in order. So Don Quixote, five hundred million copies. Miguel de Cervantes is the author. Yeah. Then it was A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens at two hundred million copies. And then it was Lord of the Rings. You had that one right. And yeah. uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. And that's 150 million copies. And then The Little Prince, the Little Prince. was 142 million. Um, and then Harry Potter was number five, of course. And that is 107 million. So quite a, quite a ways behind those top four. Yeah, but Still even, but even within that, I mean, are you kidding? That, yeah. uh, for that book, which is a great yes. book. But right. Wow. Yeah, to hang to hang with those big those big four. Yeah. Uh, and I and I'm ashamed I have not read any of those four. Really? I, I only saw the movie for Lord of the Rings. Okay. I, I started the book and it just was but it was after I'd already seen it and I was like yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not this is way too much heavy lifting for Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh and I and I've yeah, I've only read snippets of the other ones, but never never all the way through. So yeah. Snippets of Don Quixote and the tale haven't gotten all the way through it. Lord of the Rings, yes. In fact, what's interesting is similarly, I, I've, I read it long ago and had seen the movies numerous times and thought, you know what? I'm going to take that on again. I'm going to read all three huh. of those. And wow. um, I've, I've been struggling to get through the fellowship. Um, uh, my favorite, actually, I really enjoy The Hobbit, um, just as the, the leader yeah. of those books. So. All right, question number two. Number two. Uh, no, no, no. We got uh, three more okay. questions. Uh, what is the best-selling book every year? Is it the Bible or something else? Hmm. 
Uh, I'm I'm going to say it is the Bible. It is it, the Bible. It okay. is the Bible. Uh, number three, youngest best-selling author was Christopher Paolini. He wrote the book Aragon, and it sold 33 million copies. How old was he? 17. Ooh, so close. He was 18. Oh, okay. That'd have been that'd have been crazy awesome. If you have, have you read seven. Have you Have you read those his books? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Yeah. You? I have. Um. And got Logan into them. Um. They're 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 good, but they can be they can be heavy lifting too because, like Tolkien, he's making it up his whole it's whole, it's whole world, world type yeah. thing. Yeah. Yep. When did When did Logan read those? Um. Middle school. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe uh, Natalie uh, in a couple of years will. Yeah, dragons. I mean, dragons. Oh, and Andrew's loving the uh, How to Train Your Dragon series right now. So yeah, so well, he'll he'll grad he'll he'll, he'll use move into it. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah that, it's a good it's a good um, kind of stepping stone if you're going into Lord of the Rings and such. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Question four: The first ten films ever to be based on novels were between the year 1896 and 1905. Can you name one? <laughs> um, and what, the last year was 1906? 05. So yeah, between a nine-year uh, period, 10 of them were made. They weren't all super long, but they were based on novels. Yeah. I, I don't think so because uh, I'm I'm thinking of a few and I know that they weren't written that, that they were soon they were earlier than that or later I should say because um, I got like things like Gone with the Wind in my mind and whatnot. No, I don't have an answer. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure you recognize a few of these that I wrote down. Uh, so Christmas Carol. Uh, that was from 1901. I maybe gotten that one. Yep. Uh, Alice in Wonderland. Gulliver's Travels, Robinson Crusoe, and sure. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Sure, all uh, within that within that frame. Yeah, makes sense. So there I, you go. I, 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 I'm a little disappointed in myself about a Christmas Carol. Yeah, I was. I was like, if, yeah, that would be the only one. That's where the I one. Maybe you would have had yep. a chance on that. Would be to just throw a hail mary on Christmas Carol. I just was thinking uh, it was a little bit uh, after that. Yeah. But interesting very cool yeah. which is a good segue talking about films i i this was a last second addition to our show outline i don't know if you even saw it but uh just a we are both movie buffs and and oscars fan we've done a couple of shows in the past on on the oscars exclusively i'm just curious if you if you tuned in this year i uh, here's what i did because i i didn't know what to expect compounded with the fact that um, I've been watching a whole bunch of different movies, but not any of the, like, what I don't even know what you'd call it. I guess you'd just still call them recent releases with right. um, being in the, you know, theaters are closed. So the pandemic and whatnot. Um, so all of those that were up, I'm like, I don't even, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you about it. I, I did not know. I knew only... I think one of them, the one that I saw for best picture was the trial of the Chicago seven. Okay. Yeah. That was the only one for best picture. I saw soul. 
uh, best animated, and I saw a short, um, Two Distant Strangers. Those are the only three that I had seen before the Oscars, and then uh, um, Netflix popped up. You know, the some of them that are available to watch, and so okay. uh, so I'm gonna try to work my way through that. But um, so so did you watch then? Because I, wa- I, so, I recorded it and so I watched, watched what I wanted to. Tuned in about an hour after they started, and I started it, and it was so weird. It uh-huh. was, uh, you know, just there's still no host, and and it was like dinner theater kind of. They yes. were all these tables, and yeah, uh, you know, and then and then they would show some people sitting in the audience on the red chairs, but they were social distanced, and so it's just like two by two and they're you know at least six to eight feet apart and uh and it was it was just i i applauded the effort but i just it just uh, i don't know i i it was so meh for me uh and so and then me and my family we do picks yep. you know for them every year and uh and so i i maybe saw three or four categories and i think i got all either all of them wrong or most of them wrong yeah the three or four that i saw so i was like oh if i'm not even gonna be able to like like <laughs> see see and be like i'm crushing this then so i ended up shutting it off and then i ended up winning the picks so yeah. interesting <laughs> so i of... really only see the saw the ones that i missed and then after i shut it off i ended up and i'm winning so that's that's hilarious so do you think before we move away from it do you do you think that we've moved on have you moved on from the oscars and award shows like this or was it just because it was so odd because of the pandemic and whatnot that that's what you know you'll come back again and give it another whirl in a year if they if they brought back the i really enjoy the host i enjoy the host giving the monologue i loved when i love when they uh have kind of edgier ones that (laughs) <laughs> do some roasting i thought ricky gervais has done some really good roasting uh in years past uh i also liked i think it's been a while but uh like just the the little shorts and stuff that they've done with i think yeah. crystal did some of that yeah and and, and some of those uh comedic actors uh just just something different you know mix it up but i i think i may have kind of moved on because it's it seems like it's a very it just seems so political is not the word but it kind of just seems like uh these the winner I, I i can't remember the last time i've actually had seen a best picture that won yeah you know uh sure and so it's always the last one i got really excited about was in fact the last movie i saw in a theater was 1917 okay and and my brother and i saw that and uh and it was phenomenal it was a great film and you just knew that because it was world war one and it was one of these you're like oh this isn't gonna win you know it should uh but (laughs) you know it's like these different ones that get in and of course you know who am i to say i haven't really seen a lot of these best pictures the last couple years so Maybe they're um, totally deserving of it, but it kind of just seems like they're trying to make a statement all the time. And, yeah. and I, I'm not opposed to making a statement, but it's like, 
who are these academy voters mm-hmm. and what you know what um they're all it's always so secretive about who these people are and yeah no i agree interesting well we'll have to see i i again i recorded it and we buzzed through it and it was just it was so boring yeah I, it was I, so I, it, was, it was just boring. That, it was just a snooze fest it yeah like, oh. it really and, then, was. and then you know then like yeah, then they show close-ups of people, and they look like they're just not having any fun at all. Yeah, no, you know? and yeah, we can we can move on. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Well, so another thing, I so we're talking about books, talking about literature, talking about story, the power of story, and and we've done segments in the past about you know the guests who's coming to dinner and you know these dinner parties and who would you have, and I just thought it would be. Uh, just kind of fun refresher rehash category or uh, or segment to just talk about two authors that you wish you knew personally. Yeah, they can be alive or dead. Uh, it could be fiction, nonfiction. But I'm just kind of curious if you could just go to a bar, hang out, have a beer with you know two literary masters based on their subject material, based on their writing style, whatever. Who would it be? And why? Yeah. Do you want me to say both of them right away, or what do you what are you thinking for? You want um, to do one? Give, give them give them both to me. Okay. So I want to I want to set up because you just set it all up, and it's making me think. Um, you know, throw a few out there, but um, I I did ponder it because um, when we got into the the people who were coming to dinner, I mean, you were you were very strategic and um, you know, not only where they're sitting, but when they're coming and, and all of that. And so I kind of took, I kind I don't know if you went that far now, but I, I did take the time to sort of step back because being an English major, I mean, as well as a lover of, of fiction and now really enjoying nonfiction, I, I like just story and I like reading and it really became challenging to, to come up with just two. Now people to like, hang out at a bar and have a beer, great conversation. You know, Stephen King, tell me about, you know, your ideas and where they come from. Uh, I like mysteries. So I would have like Agatha Christie or Arthur Conan Doyle or people like that. But if I were to then stop and really go like, who's, who's on my, who, what books are on my shelf? Who, who are the authors that, that I want and will read again and again? And the two that I had, again, um, you'd kind of set this up a little bit with um, whether they were alive or dead and one of each in fiction and nonfiction. So I did um, Dead Dead, Edgar Allan Poe, and then mm-hmm. ki- Kind of Alive. He's dead, though, too, which is uh, rolled, <laughs> <laughs> rolled, rolled dull. I decided oh, sure. that I wanted to have um, he he just both both individuals very interesting. Edgar Allan Poe um, is considered the individual who who created the detective story. He's the even given credit for starting the um, science starting science fiction, and I didn't know that until I did a little prep work here. Um, short stories. He um, wrote poetry. I mean, just just an interesting guy again and this is the 1800s so long long ago and having those stories um and we all know the raven and kind of the horror side of things so love to be able to talk to him and then Roald Dahl um just love the fantasy from you know like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory we all we all kind of know those stories to James and the Giant Peach and then he has some you know 
deeper, darker ones like the witches, and then in between that with the BFG. So more more children's. Um, but he 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 did move into screenplays and beyond children's fiction and into television and lots of different things. So I would love to sit and have a beer and get to know Edgar Allan Poe and Roald Dahl. Those are my two. How about excellent, you? excellent. Well, I went uh, with originally I I did have someone who was alive but both of these gentlemen are dead uh after i kind of had a chance to again i started to nerd out a little bit um because i originally was like boom just like first ones that came to mind just boom boom you know and uh and then i was like oh no let me let me think about about things that i'm really interested in and what would you know uh and so i ended up going with in my my fiction i went with arthur conan doyle uh yeah again and, excellent uh, the, the sherlock and just the mystery i mean because writing mystery is very unique you know just the the type of brain you have to have mm-hmm. for suspense you know uh, you know as you know i'm a big art you know alfred hitchcock fan and the suspense movies and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and I, and I love just a great suspense story and so anyway i just i think it would be really interesting and, and just the time period that he was writing in you know, it just interests me. And yeah, so, uh, so I thought that would be good kind of, uh, you know, and I, and I imagine, and I haven't done a whole lot of research on him, but I imagine there's just a lot of like human psychology expertise that he has. And, yeah. I mean, you'd have to, uh, in order to know kind of how to, how to, you know, strike those nerves and that kind of thing. So, well, modern day, you know, CSI and some of those. Yeah, things, I mean, it's right. got it's all the way back to to Sherlock Holmes right. for sure. Right. Right. The, yeah, the nonfiction uh, probably you know not a surprise. Joseph Campbell, uh, um, continue, just the scholar and and the ability to just the again the number of stories and um, and and myth and history that he knows. Again, just human behavior attached to the power of story you know and i and i just i'm just captivated i think he would be a better person to talk with than he than the stuff that i read like i like i like the scholarship i like the you know reading but it's it's pretty dense yeah uh, at times and and i've heard him my favorite thing is actually a transcript of an interview he had uh, and, and in the in the power of myth and and I just I I ate that up like mm-hmm. I I just ate that up and and that was him it was a conversation yeah. so um so I I think I just it's kind of like oh, I wish I wish I could just sit in and just have that kind of conversation uh, and I think he would be able to get along pretty well with someone like Doyle so yeah very cool. I, I love those are great picks and and they are the, those are those are tough reads though i mean right sherlock is the, those are kind of challenging and for sure i've only read um parts of um the power of myth but it's 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 uh it's heavy lifting it's deep end of yeah. the pool it's all those right. things so right. it would be interesting to um have him reference you know some of his some of the the chapters or sections like you said like where did you get those ideas and and, right. and such yeah nice choices very cool yeah you as well that was great butterfly in the sky 
I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading rainbow. I can go anywhere. Friends to know and ways to grow, a reading rainbow. Reading Rainbow. Reading Rainbow. <laughs> awesome. That takes me back. Love it. Way back. Way back. Yeah. So reading, you can go anywhere. You mm-hmm. really can go anywhere in a book. And I just think it's it's just so awesome. I'm a I'm a late convert into truly obsessed with books. I, I liked reading when I was young, but I love reading now. Do you read every day? Are you avid in that? Like, do you have time set aside? Well, it kind of depends. Uh, I used to probably read something every day. Yeah. But now when I get, so the last couple of weeks and part of the reason, probably the main reason why we're only doing one show in the month of April is that I've been, (laughs) I've been writing. Yeah. And when I'm in writing mode, then all bets are off on everything else. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I've been pouring in a lot of energy into uh, another book. And so I've, I just been, it's just been, you know, crazy just trying to get it all written down because you never know when motivation strikes you when it does you just gotta write it so i have not read much in the last three weeks but uh but i usually i mean i have a whole whole bag a canvas bag full of books yeah that i'm fully wanting to intending to read this year i've got 13 read and I've got another probably 25 in that bag. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, that wow, that's well done. I I I have been doing similarly. I I don't have that many. I think I have though um even in this room I have about 10 that are sitting right there and then just list after list. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I love just having book talks and like well what have you read? What are some titles? Because like like they're talking about in this podcast, it that's there will never be scarcity of, of nope. things to read. Right, right. So cool. Yeah. So the so the uh, podcast we listened to is a new one. We've not listened to Unlocking Us by Brene Brown before. Uh, this was recommended to me by a friend, and I I hope a listener of Godfather. Uh, Gina Fores, so shout out to her for passing along this incredible interview uh, that Brene Brown had with author uh, Angus Fletcher, who wrote Wonderworks, the 25 most powerful inventions in the history of literature. Mm. And it's a very engaging uh, interview with him around this topic of how literature has power and it's like everyone's always known that and now he has the science to back it up and to identify it and so there's these different uh, he's primarily talking about fiction uh and uh, the power of 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 story in these different devices i guess you could call them or inventions that that bring about 
and, and kind of explicitly name what it is that literature is powerful at mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be a, would be a way of describing it. And so, uh, yeah, fascinating. I mean, I, I, I just found myself going, yep, yep, yep. Oh, yes, totally. You know, the whole time, <laughs> you know, and then there's these other parts where, again, kind of, kind of what my dad would do, like, huh. <laughs> oh, well, you know, like, <laughs> like uh, that, that kind of thing. So I yeah. don't know. What What did you think? No, I that that is a great way to describe it because so he starts off giving it. Brene asks him his background, and he goes through his college years and all that. And I mentioned that because he talks about having worked at Pixar, and you just mentioned Soul, which I saw that as well. And just I love Pixar. And I want to I want to shout out to them because it's about story and they are pushing they're pushing stories in whole different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't yeah. seen Soul, check it out. But, um, you know, Inside Out comes to mind. I mean, just yeah. d- deep, deep thinking um, yeah. for the viewers and such. And so he had worked there and then um, moved beyond. I think he's a college professor and he, he talks about the power of story and, and taking risks without taking the risk. So the value, one of the values that he mentions is that we tend to be risk averse. And so we don't go and take those risks. We're fearful. Um, but in a story, you can, you can take them. You can go anywhere yeah. and do about anything. And it's the experience that happens while that reading uh, occurs that, um, a- and I haven't read the book. This is these are cliff notes of this podcast, obviously. And just like you, you had said about your father, like I like, oh, that's really interesting. And every time the my my oh yeah, <laughs> louder and louder because it just kept it's a, a little over an hour and it just kept getting more. I would say fascinating. That's yes, what I would say just simply yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So one of the things about halfway through, maybe a third of the way in talked about how they did this kind of experiment with Greek tragedies and, and how they brought in these like veterans to, to watch a Greek tragedy. And uh, I, I didn't catch the full intention, but I, it was kind of a, well, it's about PTSD. I yeah, thought. PTSD, yeah, PTSD like, like, would they be able, would story be able to, yeah connect with them on a deeper level in a healing sort of way and he he was kind of skeptical because he's talking to these people beforehand he's like oh have you ever you know do you like to read and they're yeah. like no and nope. he's like oh do you have you ever do you like theater and they're like no nope. and he's just like oh crap this is gonna bomb like it's gonna be really bad but he but it didn't it just mm-hmm. it it these veteran uh were just they were just weeping and they opened up and it just became this really beautiful self-healing sort of thing for them and then that was where he was just like oh you know and so then he he just kind of both feet in started to to do this more frequently and again doing kind of more of the research and studying behind it and it was yeah kind of like you just said like it it through the story and, and he's just like I don't even think they knew half of the things were being said. And mm-hmm. I mean, if you've ever gone to a Shakespeare play, it's like, yep, I have no idea what these mm-hmm. guys are talking yep. about, you know, yep. but the story and the action is enough. 
to, to pull you in and and how it you know I, the one thing i wrote down was it, it makes you a survivor through them before the person on the sa- stage gets to that like point you're you're already live you're already into it through you know at a distance because it's not you but yet you know mm. story has that way of connecting you mm-hmm. to those characters at a distance and yet also intimately mm-hmm. and and how it acts upon us whether you again that would be a, i've never actually been to a, a live opera as a similar example um and, and i wouldn't know what they're saying but you're 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 watching it and you're hearing it and you're experiencing it. This is the value of seeing uh, a, a movie in the movie theater, you know, cinema and, and having that experience with others. And when it's you and a few other people, um, that's it in the theater versus a packed movie house. Which mm-hmm. again, hard to even remember a long time ago, but I know Carly, Carly and I went to a movie um, Christmas Day. Uh, a year uh, over a, it would have been a year ago um so 2019 um when you could do that and it was super packed and we saw jumanji and it was everyone's laughing and it's just it, it's an experience so it's how you are not only experiencing it yourself but you're enjoying it with others and then he says you take that and you can go and share that with others beyond that so Whoever has read that story and like, hey, have you read that story before or seen again that play or in this case, that movie? And then you start to talk about it and you're experiencing it again. I just love it. it was I know. So, so well stated. Yeah. Yeah. Just that, uh, you know, it talks about this, the collective space where we can come together to care enough about something to name and heal it as one. Uh, and, that's awesome. You know, and it's like that's. And again, that, you know, that's kind of how I have tended to view other things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's my profession. I mean, that's church, you know, that's, that's, yes. faith. that's, you know, yes. that's, and I'm sure you would agree as a school administrator, that's school, you know, that's education. I mean, like creating this space where individual growth can occur as a group. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. that's, and theater is kind of where I, my roots are like, that's, that's where that happened. And, and it's really hard work to create that. Uh, but the payoff is just awesome mm-hmm. uh, when, when you get to that point. So, uh, so yeah, I, I just think these inventions, these, these tactics that you know, authors take uh, in order to advance a story, to build a character, uh, the other thing I thought that was kind of cool was talking about how you you discover uh, you 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 fall in love with characters not because they're always like you, but oftentimes they're totally different from you, and it actually increases your capacity to get along with all mm-hmm. sorts of people mm-hmm. through a book. You know, because uh, it's like, again, you can choose you choose that book, you start to read it and then you're encountering these characters. And if again, if, if the author's done his, his or her job, well, then you're going to be in it, you know, in that story and not be able to put it down. 
But when you think about your regular life, I mean, you can get into a situation where you're not connecting with somebody and you can just kind of check out, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and walk away or not go back. But in a book, especially when it's done well, you got to see it through the end. And while you're doing that, then these different sort of characters and you're in somebody's head in a, in a book and you're like, I wouldn't do that. Like I, that is not how I think about, you know, what I would do. Yeah. And yet it's still can then show you like, uh, it's not, it's not about what you want them to do, but it's just what they do. Mm-hmm. Then, then you start to really appreciate. Yeah. Um, overall and and that you you mentioned it and he talks about choice and the value of that because then you're going to find pick a topic or pick an event that someone is going through um i like historical fiction because you know the history or you learn more about the history and then you have like that the fictional side where that character is going through it which is certainly made up but you feel like it it's getting lost in the book you feel like you are there and you are no longer reading those words. You are on that field or in that battle or flying in, you know, on the dragon or whatever it happens to be. And you're not even thinking anything of it. Like what flying on a dragon that can't happen because that's it. This is fantasy. I chose it. I suspend reality and I go in there and there is that escapism. But then again, I mentioned it already. He, he says it's what happened is happening through you. It, it's an mm-hmm. action. And so that choice is, is really important. I guess I'd push back being a former English teacher, though, because sometimes k- kids, people won't read a book unless they won't have that experience unless you right. kind of have them do that. So that was an interesting thing for me. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that because he, he, they kind of come down hard on this. Uh, you know, the point of literature is to, is to be empowering and not to impose and and you know choice versus being assigned yeah and how you know when you choose it you it, you connect more with it versus when it's assigned and as in it for you being a, an english teacher just like what you were just saying uh you know would you totally agree with that statement or i think you know you're kind of saying like well some people would never read anything if it was only a choice (laughs) yes i i guess i would i'd say it like this um there's a there's a there's a way to do it well where you know if if it is we're gonna we're gonna read this and you're just trudging through and people have all experienced that because you all had language arts or english teachers every year right and some were better than others and but if you had one if you were lucky enough to have one that just brought it alive and and had the energy and enthusiasm and, and allowed you to enjoy that as well. And it was, it, it's, it's what I'm talking about here about excitement and sharing it. And in order to do that, that's, I think it, a teacher's job is to bring those opportunities forth and to help them know how to analyze, not to tell them, here's what this poem means, or here's what this right. symbol is about, but to say, well, what do you think it's about? And then, Again, kind of a, a proper book club, if you will. So yeah. I, I get it, though. But, but I'd also say what was funny is Brene Brown, before he even saying any of these comments, she was talking about um, her sociology degree, I think it was. And she was was commending her professors who had used the literature uh, and she didn't like the, the 
certain classes, they were boring and dry. I don't remember exactly what that was, but she said those when the professors are, professors were using story, that's when the, the, the connections. I'm like, well, there you go. They yeah. didn't get to choose. They, they, they were choosing that for you yeah. to have that common experience versus telling you, here, go and read this book. So, again, I'd say there's a good way of doing that to well, then allow these exciting things to happen. And what you're trying to get out of the book. And I, and I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that you were an amazing English teacher because of just you're such an emotional, passionate person. <laughs> So there's no way that you're only teaching these things from an analytical interpretive yes, standpoint, exactly. you know, <laughs> and you're asking the, the questions like, you know, how did this shift for you and yes. how did it make you feel? And tell me about what, you know, the more kind of those, those emotional connections that you make with this, you know, and I think that's, that's really what we're in. That's again, that's that power. of Yeah. I mean, there's only so many mediums out there that can tap into your emotional, you know, mindset and, and heart like like a like a book can. Well, it, well, it certainly did it did not make you want to. Again, you've been writing a lot lately, but I just wanted to I, I just wanted to drop everything and go and read there. I just I, I have all these books here and I, I, I want to find the time. I want to make the time and get immersed in it and, and lost. And that's where these inventions come in. And and he talks about it as, you know, they're not inventions where like mechanical type things. I mean, it, that was just an interesting part, too, is how he chose that I mean, story itself, narrative is the invention. Mm -hmm. and, and that in and of itself is super creative, I think. And, and how each of those, um, the, the, what, what was the length? The one was about armor. Um, you oh, know, Valentine that, armor. Yes. I'm like, yeah. that was an invention. And, yep. and I think he gave credit. Um, uh, Jane Austen. Jane Austen. Thank you, Emma. Right. And just talking yeah. about how you survive. And again, you bring your story to the story. And like, just, yeah, just makes me want to go read. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, 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 the last great fiction book i read was the stand and and it just it's it's just spot on about everything this show talked about of how like you're in the story you're you're seeing yourself you know as these characters and and the growth that's coming as a to them is coming to you and you're you know, like you just and you can't you just i couldn't not put that book down you know once i got into it i i just i was i was up late early up <laughs> early up late like yeah just you know such a epic and i you know it's just it's crazy to think that these are just words but I like know. they open up your imagination in a way that nothing else in life really can do I just love it. I, I, I do too. Yeah, love it. I do too. I do too. Ah, uh, so great. Well, that is another episode of Godfather. We thank you for listening and taking your time. We hope that you will join again soon. Godfather artwork is designed by Chuck Bennis. Our theme music is from The Godfather, composed by Nita Roda. Our transition music this week was from the opening of Reading Rainbow. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll, we'll get you next time on episode six, season four of Godfather. <laughs> <laughs>